Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Garbage Club. Uh, it's time to watch some bad movie with your friends. This week, your friends are Ryan Anderson and Matt Collins and me, Vivian. Uh, this week, we watched a bizarre live out a- live action adaptation of uh, some Bugs Bunny cartoons, <laughs> also known as Shoot 'Em Up. So, uh, Ryan, do you want to walk us through this this interesting piece of media? Yeah, so basically this is the most underrated movie of um, the 2000s, nay, all time. Um, for some reason it just flew under everyone's radar, like no one's gotten to see it, and it's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, in shoot like, just... Brief, just general, like, plot. Um, it starts out with Clive Owen as this guy who's just named Smith. Um, and he's just chilling on, like, a bench on the side of the street. And this pregnant woman, um, comes sprinting past him. And she's all freaked out. Then a henchman chases after, um, her. And then follows her down an alleyway. And, but stops at the entrance to the alleyway. Looks at Smith pulls out, like, a gun or a knife or, like, pulls out a weapon, smiles, and then goes in. Uh, just, just to make his intent extremely clear. Um, at which point, uh, Smith begrudgingly decides to get involved, um, goes into that area, uh, and that guy's, like, about to, like, stab the pregnant lady or whatever, and, um, Smith taps on his shoulder, shoves a carrot in his mouth, and then punches it through his head, and then says, eat your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that is the tamest moment in all of Shoot 'Em Up. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a it's a movie that basically they choreographed all the like gunfight sequences, and then they wrote a plot to justify those sets. Um, so you end up with a plot that ties like a like a some gum company's like stock warehouse where he's rigged up a bunch of guns as booby traps that he can just, like, puppeteer and kill, like, dozens of henchmen at once um, to falling through the sky. Um, they they managed to justify that. Uh, he gets to gunfight people while falling through the sky. Uh, there's a sex scene. Uh, that's also a gunfight. Uh, a bunch of henchmen show up and get wrecked while he doesn't stop the sex scene at all because he's Smith. He's here to fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like <laughs> I don't know I don't know uh I so like I love this movie because it's completely like over the top but somehow manages to feel extremely self-aware like it knows exactly what it is. Um and I guess like I have everything I feel about the movie just like very deeply tied to me and I very rarely get to share it with people. So I kind of want to hear <laughs> what you guys think about this, this thing that I made you watch. Uh, well, my first note when I was watching this is uh, that 
Paul Giamatti, who is the villain in this movie, uh, aka Elmer Fudd. I don't actually know his character name, but hurts. That's that's the role he's playing. Uh, so my <laughs> the first line I wrote in my notes here is uh, Paul Giamatti comments on a dead woman's tits right after the movie like does a slow reveal of her boobs hanging out to reveal that she's dead. <laughs> And uh, my my second comment is, holy shit, why did they CG that toilet? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that toilet. That toilet was like really... There's a lot of things in that movie that were really oddly CG'd. Yeah. Um, like for no reason, too. Like things that should have just been normal, like set pieces or stuff like that. They just... It must have cost more to CG them. Yeah. And like... So... The, I, I think the reason they CG the toilet is because um, Smith, like, drops his gun or something into a toilet filled with pee, I guess. Oh, there's a lot more than pee in there. Oh, I That's only noticed sure. the pee. Uh, I mean, they, they computer-generated a lot of shit in there. <laughs> it was some train-spotting level, level <laughs> toilet. It's procedurally generated shits. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, a henchman coming out. Like, oh, yeah, there's the, um freaking. He in IMDb he's just called Lone Man. Um but he's like the main henchman under uh like the bad dudes and stuff like that. And he's like rapidly approaching this public bathroom that Smith has accidentally dropped his gun in the toilet of. Um so Smith has to dismantle and then dry off and clean his gun just in time and then reassemble it just in time to uh engage this dude. All while trying to keep a baby from crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Um, we forgot the most important detail about this movie. <laughs> Entirely revolves around like a fuckload of henchmen trying to kill a baby. Yep. Um, that that pregnant lady basically immediately after he carrot punches that dude, um, he delivers that baby while fending off countless henchmen uh with a gun. Um, while what is it? Um, what was the, the, well, uh, Wolf, what's, what's the name of that band? I have no clue. Freaking Wolf Mother, um. Oh, wait, hold on. So this is actually something I, I thought was funny, is that because as soon as that action scene starts, she goes into labor, and it's at that point that Nirvana's breed starts. Yes. Yeah, and that one. after, after the baby's delivered, then, uh, Joker and the Thief by Wolf Mother starts. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Oh yeah, she gets shot like basically immediately. After. Like she just exists to to spew out a baby. Um, mm-hmm. and this is this is kind of a continuous theme throughout this movie. Um, and it's it's a very this isn't the only thread in this movie that just really really straddles and jumps all over the line of uh, is this social commentary or is this exploitation? <laughs> I. I feel like it must have actually been, like, while I was watching it, I was like, this is 100% exploitation and it's kind of gross. But thinking back on it, they also have, like, a significant, like, plot detail is that there's this gun company that's going to, like, ruin Smith's life by creating better gun control. Like, the kind of one of the MacGuffins in this film is that the all of the guns that Paul Giamatti uses and all of his henchmen use are like fingerprint locked guns. So you have to have the same fingerprint as the person who's registered to the gun before you fire it. 
which mostly exists to justify bits where he cuts off people's hands and yeah, then uses does. their hands to try and uh, it try and really shoot doesn't affect the plot in any other way except for points where he uses other people's hands i feel like they also forget about it half the time anyway <laughs> yeah and like <laughs> it's a it's a great thing like this this movie never does the easy thing like it never accomplishes the thing it's trying to do in a reasonable way ever <laughs> when i when i watch this movie like i definitely from the very beginning you're like wait a minute clive owen's character literally says what's up doc mm-hmm. I, i'm pretty sure i get this but <laughs> he always eats carrots because they're good for his eyesight because he's an expert shot <laughs> right but then i realized like how much there's a lot of like sort of the same kind of visual humor that looney tunes has like every action set piece has like these elaborate visual joke setup that you could show in any language and they'd still be funny because all it is just purely it's just pure visual slapstick that's woven together really well even stuff that's not even action one of the things i thought was just kind of I thought it was a, a fun little like a side joke is that when he's cleaning his gun in that scene is that he has a crying baby who he leaves on the floor while he opens the changing table to clean and dry his gun. <laughs> yeah, like and those are the those are the kind of bits that like when you look back at the movie as a whole, you're you're kind of like uh, like this movie is very aware of what it was doing, right? Yeah, and it, it wasn't like purely being lazy exploitation. Like they were very heavy handed like beat you over the head jokes about like it, it, like it's hard to tell what it's trying to say because it kind of says like on a lot of issues it kind of goes both ways right mm-hmm. like the the main character is taking down like a corrupt gun company and everything but like he's also trying to defend his ability to murder people um as like his primary motivation i guess yeah that there's definitely no mistaking that i feel like some of the like more exploitation bits about this film are slightly less clear whether or not it's a joke, which makes it a bit less enjoyable. I mean, there is a massive, massive pregnancy theme. Oh, yeah. Like, baby birth scene. Oh, there's so much fetish work in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's... Like, they literally embody all of it in one character and cast Monica Bellucci in that role. Yeah, she's basically... um, She's like the femme fatale of this movie, and she is like a prostitute slash wet nurse. Um, so people well, will pay her. It's like yeah, that's her. Milk. The kink that she uh, she services. I also want to point out that she it's one hundred percent aware because like her first scene is a lactation joke. Her last the last time she shows up, she's holding a Sunday in each hand, and her name shortens to DQ. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> It, it it is it is finely woven into her character all throughout. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is that there is a ton of just like really jokey stuff going on. It like the movie definitely draws on the things that make like American action movies work, or like those sort of central interests of like sex and violence, and and it makes the movie out of it, but also makes it aware of what it is in every way that it can. And it takes all of it to this cartoonish level, right? But it's also, like, displaying things that happen in cartoons with, like, real-world consequences behind them. And, like, the stand-ins for cartoon violence are actually replaced with just guns in a lot of cases. (laughs) Um, 
Right. But yeah, it's basically like if Bugs Bunny, like, fucking with Elmer Fudd was, like, happening in the real world. And, like, it's super, like, slapstick and, like, hilarious and everything. But at the same time, it's really, like, fucked up. Um, I know. I, I There's so much, like, like, they clearly were having fun with it and, like, throwing in very intentional kind of, like, sick gags in every place they could. But, like, I don't know. It feels very cult classic-y. For not yeah. being a cult classic. Yeah, there's also, like, a surprising amount of, like, thematic material, like, underneath a lot of this sort of... The, like, initial, like, crust of this movie is some of this, like, really... A lot of humor and action that you don't really need to translate. It's something that just stands out on its own. It's very visually readable. And, in fact, the movie, like, everything is really easy to follow in the same way that, like, Looney Tunes are. And I love that for this movie's, like, action sequences, because they're extremely over the top, but rather than having the, like, Jason Bourne effect or Transformers, where, like, all the crazy action is just so chaotic, you can't really follow it, it makes it really clear, and everything reads really well. Um, yeah, like, everything sets up the next thing that happens, where, like, he's sliding under a car, shoots out a table leg, and you like, in your head, before it even happens, like, oh, I know what he's going to do. <laughs> And it yeah, just fo- it, it follows in this really satisfying way. Kind of puts you in Smith's shoes as he's uh, like pulling off all these stunts and uh, taking out henchmen. And then every now and then they like work it into a like actual visual gag, like the uh, the neon sign. Oh my god, the neon sign! <laughs> that was okay. How can you that. not be like this? Is a fucking amazing movie. <laughs> the second, like, okay, so like at the end of the first like gunfight and everything paul Giamatti's character shows up um and he he's like bad boss and everything and he walks up to the roof and he finds a smith up there and there's like a neon sign on the roof that uh he's on and uh smith shoots at it a bunch until it uh spells out fuck you (laughs) and then uh hurts uh then shoots one more to like one more sign out to make it say fuck you too um, and I was, it's, it's so good. <laughs> I think like right in that little sequence, you immediately understand like this, the stakes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like so much of the movie isn't even about like, like the, the main Hertz and Smith have no emotional connection to any of the plot. Like yeah. at all. This is just, they hate each other. Yeah. And that's yeah. another like the kind of like Looney Tunes thing, right? Like. Bugs Bunny does shit just to fuck with Elmer Fudd, and Elmer Fudd does shit just to kill Bugs Bunny, and that's all they do. They're sort of brought together and just like, oh, you're here. And then, like, this weird rivalry that you just are supposed to assume they have just kind of takes place around this conflict. It's pretty clear, too, that I feel like they've never met before. Like, basically the first time they talk is on that roof. And that pretty much just establishes the rest of their relationship. Well, it's like Paul Giamatti's character is just super, like, impressed by this person who's actually stopping him. Like, yeah. he keeps he keeps having... There's an amazing running gag in the uh, movie where he keeps having to call home to his uh, wife mm-hmm. and explain that he's going to be on out for business a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like... His his marriage just starts fraying over the course of the movie as, like, 
Smith just keeps eluding him and keeps like ruining things for him. Yeah, it's, it seems like he becomes just like more and more obsessed with Smith. Like in the beginning, he's very much like trying to placate his wife, trying to explain to her where he's going to be. And then like as he gets more and like closer and closer to finding Smith, he's just like brushing her off more and more. So it's almost like his... <laughs> His relationship directly deteriorates because he has found this new obsession. It's interesting because at the same time that his relationship sort of withers, Smith is dealing with this kind of weird sort of found fatherhood with this baby. Yeah, him and uh, Donna Quintano, uh, Monica Bellucci, um, basically become these foster parents uh, to this baby. Um, They give it a bulletproof vest. Uh, which yes. uh, Monica Bellucci blows a dude in an alleyway for. Um, yep. Well, for the cash for it, and then they buy it at a pawn shop. He wasn't yes. just, like, trolling alleyways for prostitutes with bulletproof vests, looking <laughs> to barter. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, no, it was, I was just doing business here, and she, like, doesn't come up with a lot of cash, but with a bulletproof vest. <laughs> I think there's... Like one one really incredible thing about this movie is Paul Giamatti's performance. Dude, Paul Giamatti's always good. Yeah. But like he's especially good in like it's I don't know, like he brings in a little bit of that um was the uh, big fat liar? Oh Jesus. Yeah, I remember that movie. That kind of rage, that like deep seated like that the arrogance and the rage of that mm-hmm. character but cranked to like 15 <laughs> um <laughs> i think it, he also really has to carry that like rivalry that emotional rivalry for both him and smith yeah because <laughs> smith is intentionally uh, a very wooden kind of everyman protagonist so you kind of have to see how much paul giamatti hates him in order to get invested in it well i think smith is supposed to be someone we don't get whereas giamatti were supposed to be able to relate to more of his like frustrations i mean he's allowed to have frustrations whereas smith has this weird sort of like righteous anger thing Mm -hmm. you know i'm actually of the opinion that we're all supposed to be smith like he is a video game protagonist he has like he has a very like flat personality that only flares up when he's being super self-righteous um, there's a lot of bits where he just goes out on like random social tangents. Uh, he runs a guy off the road for not using his turn signal. Yes. Um, and it feels so, you're just like, fuck yeah, I'm Smith. Right. It's like, <laughs> I hate when people do that. You're right, Smith. Yes. <laughs> like, as, as someone who hates it when fucking people, I, I'm, I don't drive, so I always have to walk places. And, uh, if people don't put on their fucking blinkers and then get mad at me for trying to cross the street where they're trying to turn to, I'm like, what do you expect me to do? Exactly. So I, I definitely identified with that scene. What's weird is that, like, a, a big sort of, like, moment of catharsis for Smith's character is him acting as a sort of, like, purifying agent for the political movement behind gun control. Because when it's revealed that, like, the person who's supposed to be the proponent for gun controls actually seeks to benefit uh, financially from this continuing relationship with gun manufacturers. Like, that Smith gets to act as this purifying agent, this big sort of, like, thematic idea of, like, I don't know, uh, political movements, like, purging themselves of bad actors in order to, uh, like, achieve a, a greater, more pure aspect of itself. 
he is he is definitely like the hand of righteousness in this movie like mm-hmm. he just he just strolls around like dealing like dealing with bad people right but it doesn't matter how bad they are right like even slightly bad people he approaches with extremely overblown responses like he doesn't kill yeah. them but like very extreme well like for example the the woman who is spanking her kid she yeah, just, he, he he was in that case looking for a distraction but like he clearly picked the one person in the room who was doing something fucked up yeah exactly and he 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 you know he was like i don't like it when kids get punched and like then started like spanking her and <laughs> Like, that was definitely one of the moments where the movie was, like, you know, pumping the gas a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, t- see, let's see, test your boundaries and see, see how, like, uncomfortable you can get. Um. But at least the, I mean, like, I think there is a lot of, like, problematic treatment of women in this movie, but it is all meant to be very uncomfortable. Yeah, Besides yeah, Besides maybe the movie's panning over of that dead woman's corpse, like, very intentionally, yeah, sexually. Yeah, but that was um you were kind of inhabiting Paul Giamatti at that moment. That's true. Who is the horniest motherfucker in the universe as Hertz. Um he just he wants to eat everything he looks at and like towards the, like towards the end he really he like has a like nice sexual need for Smith to die. Like Oh definitely, yeah. Like that he he gets so much catharsis from like the moment where he thinks he's like beaten Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> even even when he's uh, spoilers eventually killed by Smith, he's like he seems very gratified by finally kind of finishing their relationship. Yeah, yeah, and which the way he kills him is fucking amazing because like I know like Smith gets captured and they like basically beat him and they break all of his uh, fingers so he can't shoot anymore and you're like oh shit Smith you're in it now um, and then uh, they, they go to like take out his eyes so he can't you know shoot even when his uh, fingers heal, and um, he headbutts the scalpel so it gets stuck in his forehead um, and then uses that to, like, take out all the people around him uh, with his, like, the scalpel sticking out of his forehead. Um, Oh, dude, I just... (laughs) That is sort of an apotheosis of how, like, visually recognizable the action beats are when these complex actions are happening, like, none, and you still immediately understand how and why every single thing is happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're extremely over-the-top sequences, like, all of them. There is so much going on, but it is so well, like, cut and shot that, like, you you read it all. And it makes, it, it makes like, all their effort with all those scenes, like, really rewarding. You know, like, the creativity that goes into all the, like, gunplay choreography and the various fights in that movie are just, like, you, you really get to appreciate it. It's a really potent mix, too, because as, like... You can't help but understand exactly what's going on, and that it's so brutal and like skin crawlingly like visceral that it it's a really it's a strong combination because he's like headbutting people with the scalpel. You're just like, oh dear god. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Smith Smith is just like he gets fucked up in that scene. Like he uh, after like all the scalpel fighting, I think he gets shot a few times by um like uh, Hertz. He gets like the upper hand. And he's just, like, so pumped to finally kill Smith. And then uh, he's like, any last words or whatever? Um, oh, fuck. Here, I gotta look up that line. Um, sorry, just give me a minute. No, it's alright. 
I do think that even though it does kind of like gloss over everything female in this movie, it it feels like that's sort of not necessarily the like purpose of the movie because it it's it's hyper masculinity taken to the most comedic extent. Like it, everything that drives sort of action movies, you know, guns, sex, violence, everything's taken out to an extent where it kind of parodies itself. And it's hard to sort of make an argument for the, see, I don't want to, I don't want to defend, you know, making like very thin female characters, but that's definitely not what the movie's focused on. And I don't, and I don't know that like making it, giving everybody like this, an equal depth would have carried out the same kind of uh, purpose as well. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's very like, um, it kind of reminds me of old like grindhouse movies in a way, you know, like really over the top, like most female characters are, are either like the crazy, sexy prostitute femme fatale or bodies to just be discarded. Right. And yeah. right. The, the movie just like guns so hard for that and takes it like so far that it like, I'm strongly of the opinion that it's very much like aware that it's like, and like very much like, kind of critiquing all this you know like it it becomes it's basically parody but it it is still just far away enough that it's totally also exploitation it is but it doesn't have the like angle for just pure slapstick joy that a lot of exploitation had exploitation was really like kind of about spectacle about like transgressiveness and playing with that like the sensibilities of your audience but this is like it's so sure it knows where that line is and tries to throw a party on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, every aspect of the movie is trying to loosen you up so you can actually, like, enjoy the really, like, fucked up violence and stuff like that. Like, it gets you in this kind of, like, sick mood to right. actually, like, appreciate these people just getting wrecked. I think there's another aspect of exploitation that kind of pokes fun at the fact that there is a line in people's sensibilities that there is too far and i think that's where a lot of like really bad transgressive humor comes from is where it makes fun of like where the line is but this movie isn't necessarily making fun of that line it's it tries it goes tries to go as far as it can beyond that line in a way that pokes fun at the kind of the, like the psychological reasons for why that line exists where it is like it parodies those things that make up movies of that genre but then also parody where those things come from like at no point in this movie are we actually meant to take like the desire for sex violence or guns seriously in fact it's actually very con- uh, like it condemns those where it can although there is a scene that combines all three um the, yes, the sex there, scene there is um <laughs> Uh, between Mr. Smith and uh, DQ, <laughs> they're in a hotel room. I can't. I can't believe that we have a lactating prostitute whose name is DQ. That that, <laughs> that is that is a that is a Mona Lisa joke right there to <laughs> the, me. The scene starts like the the sex scene begins with a very very sensual uh, shot of her feeding him um, baby food on her finger um, because you got to keep that like motherhood kind of like fetishization of like infancy kind of thing going on 
Oh, don't don't forget that this comes right after a beat of watching Clive Owen adjusting to the idea of fatherhood by explaining to this baby how a gun works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. And um, so like while they're having sex, suddenly a bunch of like paramilitary dudes start rappelling into their hotel room, and doesn't even lose a beat. Uh, keeps thrusting. Basically, he's just like, all right, we're switching positions. Pulls his gun out and then starts just sh- taking out everybody. Um, I'm pretty sure DQ doesn't even notice. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's like, she just thinks they're having a real good sex. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, oh yeah, that's the other thing is, he basically, like, he takes her to orgasm, and then the scene ends, and the last thing he says is, talk about shooting your load. Yeah. <laughs> God, there's, there's so much just, like, Freudian <laughs> line work and imagery in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's, it's not just sort of like a hat, it's a funny thing we did, it's like, oh, this is all like, these are all, these are all dimensions of fantasy, <laughs> and when you put them all together, it's actually kind of funny. Okay, yeah, so we were talking about the, like, hyper-masculinity and, like, all this kind of, like, this action movie stuff that usually crosses a line, right? But it, it crosses the line a little bit, and it kind of, like, normalizes fucked up, fucked up things a lot of the time, and this movie, like, takes it to such extremes that it becomes grotesque, and, like, like cartoonish basically um it's kind of like the the movie equivalent of like catching you smoking a cigarette and being like no you're gonna have the whole carton now um like that i I like that 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 actually that makes it make a lot of sense and with like the the whole like hyper masculinity there's like this recurring thing of um like the sense of like guns as these fetishized objects that turn like very weak people with not necessary, like with fairly weak wills into killing machines. That's right. And I was going to bring up, uh, when during that little sequence where he's showing the baby, the gun, he, he like mentions how the only like safety you really need is, uh, your trigger finger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and there's, uh, like a back and forth between, uh, Hertz, Paul Giamatti and, um, the main, like Hammerson, the guy who runs the whole gun, gun company, uh, where, uh, the, the guy, like the big boss basically is questioning whether or not Paul Giamatti can get the job done. And he's like, any pussy can be a tough guy with a gun in his hand. <laughs> and they keep coming back to that line too. Like... Yeah, no, and, th- and th- that's the thing. Um, <laughs> and Paul Giamatti, uh, because he's horny as shit, uh, replies with, uh, well, he's like, I want to know, are you a tough guy? Or like, he's, he's like, I want to know, are you a pussy with a gun in his hand? And uh, he responds with, I'm a tough guy with a pussy in his hand. Yeah. Because Paul Giamatti has to disgust you as much as possible at every and turn. The best, uh, possibly the best thing that came out of this election cycle was I was extra disgusted with that line when he said it. Yeah, it does not age well. And, uh, no, ten, it, oh, no. Ten years oh, no. later, that line gets way worse. It gets so much worse. Um, and yeah, this came out in 2007. Uh, just, yeah. just to date this. <laughs> you can also kind of be aware of the, uh, like social climate around then. And uh, like the, there's a very cathartic moment where Smith, you know, being the righteous white knight that he is, uh, takes the, that very pervy, like hyper masculine line and headbutts it with his own caveman masculinity <laughs> until it's, until it's a, uh, a series of bullets that he's put between his broken fingers. And then he looks up at Hertz. Oh my God. And his, his last words to Hertz are, you know what I really hate? 
and then he shoves his hand into the fireplace next to him. And the bullets go off and basically, like, obliterate his hand. But, uh, that's, like, it just rips, hurts to pieces. Like, his entire chest gets blown open and his heart's, like, beating. Um, and then he, like, collapses. And Smith then goes, what I really hate is a pussy with a gun in his hand. I want to call out the, the fact that, uh, a good thing to keep in mind is that Paul Giamatti as a person is nothing like how he is in the movie. But like the t- the like sort of personality ticks that Hertz has, like they they are subtle and sort of like even down to sort of like the way he moves and the way his voice sounds, they're all sort of inventions. Paul Giamatti is a really fucking good actor. Yeah, is, like and is my point. Honestly, <laughs> like everyone in this movie is, does an incredible job. Everyone except that one actor who screamed, <laughs> "Oh my God, someone left a baby!" <laughs> it's like. <laughs> He's like on the merry-go-round and this poor woman. <laughs> oh my god, somebody left a baby. And then Paul Giamatti <laughs> just snipes her like in the gut. She just goes flying. Um, yeah. <laughs> dude, that that scene is such a good example of how the movie sets up expectations and then continually builds on it to something that you didn't expect. Because you're like, oh well, the baby's on the cares on the merry-go-round. The merry-go-round is going to spin. How where's this going to go? And of course, no one pushes the merry-go-round. They just shoot it, and that makes it spin faster. Yeah, Smith comes uh, running up and shoots, shoots it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just, like, I think a re- reoccurring thing with this movie is just all the tiny details, right? Like, it goes overboard with details to the point and, like, just slaps you over the head from every angle with everything that it does that, like, you can't help but like let it in you know like you can't like if you if you were resistant to this movie and like you like you you, you don't want to like let go and just take everything at face value <laughs> um it's a terrible movie like it is thoroughly unenjoyable it's just nasty for nastiness sake like constantly um because you you need to have that kind of like suspension of your scruples <laughs> for the uh the runtime of it. See, the thing is, I think there were a lot of movies around that time that had that kind of sense to it, where it didn't really do much with its violence. Like, I think of things like Smoke and Aces, mm-hmm. which, don't get me wrong, that's a fun, that's a really fun movie. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's no shoot 'em up though. This feels like a movie <laughs> that is the way that it is because of who made it. It is something that would have been completely different. Like, all of the things, all of the elements of that basic action movie are there, but they are, they come from a place of humor and self-awareness and not necessarily sort of antipathy or, like, uh, misanthropy that they tend to come from in, you know, your basic, like, low-rent action movie. Um, to to continue on the, the line of, like, the Bugs Bunny kind of moments and the frustration of Mr. Hertz, um, I'm just scrolling through random quotes from the movie because they're inc- there's a lot of really good oh, ones. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all gold. Um, after a sequence where they're in a car chase with um, uh, Clive Owen, he, uh, he accidentally drops the baby. And Hertz sees this opportunity and drives up and runs it over. Um, I actually, I don't, I think it's a boy. I think it's a baby boy. I think you see baby peen in this movie. Um, content warning, baby peen, and uh, shoot him up. Um, oh, yeah. No one has knives in this movie, by the way. 
No, there, there's knives. Uh, there, the guy, the guy at the very beginning, uh, he pulls a knife out and he's like, I'm gonna give you a C-section before he gets oh, carried, right. That's before like, he gets carried fucked only... in the face. Yeah, because I'm just, like, the, the umbilical cord is cut with a bullet. Yeah, with a bullet. No. Yeah, oh yeah, he shoots the umbilical cord. Everything, everything <laughs> in this, everything in this movie is done with a gun. Yeah, Clive Owens doesn't do anything without a gun. Um, no, it's either guns or carrots. Those are yeah. his only two or, tools. Or, in, at the very end, both. <laughs> yeah, and his and hands on broken. He starts firing a gun with a carrot lodged into the tr- uh, trigger guard. That That's when I knew. That's when I knew this is the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> Um, that's actually also a really good looking scene too. Yeah, no, that one was. Like, really it looks well like done. something out of. It looks like something out of like a B roll for pushing daisies or something. <laughs> um. Oh, but going back to the uh, car sequence when the babies run over. Um. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Baby dies. Sorry. Uh, spoiler. Um. <laughs> Hertz like approaches the baby corpse. Uh. To like you know probably masturbate over the roadkill because that's Hertz and um. He uh. He just. <laughs> It's it's a baby like a crying baby doll. It was a decoy baby. The most Looney Tunes shit. They they, they don't even bother. They don't even bother establishing that he had that. Yeah, yeah it's just crying. And they barely like... establish that they ha- like. They just say, "Oh, we have a plan to get out of town." Like uh, DQ and the baby are, are, are like going to be safely scurried away somewhere. And they're like, the last time you see them, I think Smith even has the baby. And then it, like, cuts away to the car chase. So, yeah, there's a minute where you're just like, shit. Yeah, shit, this... he actually lost the baby. <laughs> wow, they just killed a baby. <laughs> By running it over with a car. <laughs> <laughs> like, they go there. Um, yeah. But Hertz's reaction to seeing this, like, broken, cr- still crying baby doll is, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> oh, my God, that is twisted. That yeah. sick son of a bitch. Oh, that sick son of a bitch suckered us again. Like... <laughs> It's the most just, like, he's, like, stamping, jumping up and down, and, like, swinging his arms and everything, kind of, like, <laughs> cartoon villain. Like. Yeah. The only way it could have been more Looney Tunes is if it, if that doll were connected to a big old Acme bomb. Yes, if it blew up. <laughs> yeah, and, like, in, in that case, it would just kill multiple people. Like, you probably see, like, heads splatter and shit like that, too. Actually, right before that part, there's a, a quick, like, sequence where Smith, like, head-on rams a van, launches through both windshields, lands in the back of the van, and shoots everyone in the coolest-looking action sequence I've seen this side of Sin City. Yeah, it's pretty pretty goddamn dope. Um, other <laughs> other incre- incredible moments that also... This movie's really good at just beating you over the head with its music choices as well, um, as we oh, mentioned earlier with a mm-hmm. Breed by Nirvana. And Joker and the Thief of the Night by Wolfmother. Um, there's also uh, Shoot to Thrill by ACDC. Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Oh, no, no. It's uh, If You Want Blood. We got it. That song. Not Shoot to Thrill. <laughs> Sorry. They might have Shoot to Thrill at another point. I might be misremembering that. But If if You Want Blood plays during a scene in which he jumps out of a plane. And is he has... I don't think... He might have a parachute at this point. Yeah, he's got a parachute. And a bunch of dudes come at... Like, henchmen come after him with parachutes as well and like all of them are in like skydiving gear right so they don't black out at that height and everything or like freeze to death i don't know like there's gotta be a reason you actually wear that stuff right um i mean besides parachutes yeah smith and lone man the the like bad henchman dude they're they're just in their street clothes just falling from like what ten thousand feet or something 
And remember how he's like how he like stops up the uh the lower like cargo bay door with a dead body? Not not just a dead body, like the main villain's dead body. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a man, there's a lot of like just one two joke one two like punches of jokes, which is just like Smith does something and it makes Paul Giamatti really mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like definitely constant theme, uh this like needling antagonism of mm-hmm. uh from smith to to paul Giamatti's character oh you know what hertz isn't elmer fudd he he's never been elmer fudd in this it actually, oh. this actually makes way more sense he's yosemite sam oh my god uh yeah yeah he's got the guns and everything yep oh my god and he just gets increasingly angry like instantly <laughs> he's so yosemite sam i forgot yosemite sam existed <laughs> yeah me too jeez man it's god it's oh man it's so good oh okay but to jump back to the uh smith uses guns or carrots for anything uh so the i think the scene right before they leave so uh dq and the baby can get away safely she was like oh smith how do how do i know you'll come back for us and he drops down to one knee and puts the trigger guard of a gun over her ring finger and proposes to her using a gun. Jesus, I forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of, like, very personal moments between Smith and DQ that, like, are done with weapons and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of like when he's doing the changing table for the gun and the baby's on the floor, right? <laughs> like, It's like someone took... A bunch of just really obligatory plot beats and rewrote them with just like it's it's like a, a, a trichromatic painting. You can only use sex, violence, or guns, and we have to make a movie out of all of it. Yes, it's a mos- it's a mosaic of guns and and I don't know nudity. I guess well, there's actually not that much nudity. Yeah, it's like basically two scenes. Yeah, it's it's more fetishization, right? Like, there's a lot of just, yeah, like, very, um, very, like, dark fetishization of, uh, both sex and, like, like, babies and, like, birth and stuff like that and, like, pregnancy and then also, uh, guns in general. Mm -hmm. Basically, birth and death are, uh, the alpha and the omega. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can think of a few more things that applies to. (laughs) Oh, so I think, uh, I'm... I've heard this rumor, I don't even know if it's true, but apparently Fast and the Furious has, like, a series mandate that, like, anything important that happens in the series needs to happen in a car or with cars or revolves around cars. <laughs> and I feel like Shoot 'em Up has very much the same mentality. Yes. It's just, it has to be done with guns. Yeah, exactly. So you have, like, he proposes to her with a gun. When he first starts really bonding with the baby, it's around a gun. Yeah, he be he fathers with guns. Yes, <laughs> dads things up as a, with guns. What's interesting, I actually just remembered this. It is established that Smith is an outsider to like gun culture. Like there, there is some expounding on how like American gun culture is very is its own singular thing, and that like anything that threatens it is kind of vilified, and then. Near that, we established that he is a you know British national who is sort of brought over at a young age, 
Like he, he is sort of a weird outside kind of entity to it. And coming from a country that actually has very strict gun control. There's there's also an interesting thing with Mr. Smith's past in that they they like keep setting up situations where you think you learn something about like Smith as a character and they he just refuses to give you anything. Like it's the most like it's just such a tease at a lot of points. Well you hear you hear basically all you know from other people. He was like the son of a major gun manufacturer and then when gun control happened, uh, happened like oh Jesus I forget what happens. He gets like he gets like brought to the US does like a bunch of uh military training. That's the thing That's is That's all I remember. No, Hertz looked that up and he thinks he found him. But like in his last moments and everything he, or like while he's like croning over him, he's just like you got to tell me like was I right about you? And he he like doesn't give him an answer. <laughs> that's that's oh, when he yeah. kills him. It was like he's like about to to kill uh, Smith. It is like, was I right about your entire backstory? Like they they created a full backstory for Smith, and then in his last moment, Smith is just like, "Fuck you guys! You never get to know." <laughs> like he doesn't say anything. He just kills the dude. I still think it's interesting that in a very American, very like an American action movie that is driven by the you know most basic elements of all american action movies the thing that like kind of goes on this slapsticky self-aware tear through it is a british man <laughs> yeah the this movie doesn't ever try to explain itself and it doesn't ever give me the impression that it thinks it needs to yeah and that's one, that's probably like one of the things i love the most about it is this movie is completely shameless um it's it's so happily of itself and then also kind of it has a very like light take on itself as well yeah it's it's the most like have your cake and eat it to action movie i've seen in a really long time it's, <laughs> it's super yeah. indulgent and like very very self-indulgent and like it it almost is saying mean things about you for enjoying it right like <laughs> yes. you know what, you know what this reminds me of what you know that like uh that two panel thing of uh this one comic i think it's um bucky barnes that's do it where like he looks at a tank and a like, can of paint he's like i shouldn't and then it shows like the tank busting through a wall painted with like die nazi scum in like huge letters <laughs> uh, yes i think that's a very good summary <laughs> that's actually also how a lot of like the jokes in this movie work where you just see something and the thing that you see is always very, like, singly purposed. You understand, like, like a merry-go-round, for example. Deep in your mind, you don't even need to think about it. You know what a merry-go-round does. And you know that because they established it, it's going to get used. Yeah. So there's this little, like, element of mystery. Like, how is a spinning merry-go-round going to, like, going to, uh, like, factor into the next few seconds? And when he, like, shoots out the oil pan of a car and, like, the oil starts, like, spilling onto the ground, you're like, how is he going to use this? probably going to involve sliding but to what extent <laughs> i mean and that that's the thing is in most movies he would just set that on fire right and you get like people True. wandering around on fire and like it's a pretty tired like frequently done stunt and everything but in this one he's fucking sliding everywhere like it's kind of like that um amazing grease fight in a uh, trans uh transporter oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um which is another great movie um but um there's uh and there like this movie uses basically every part of the buffalo like like with all of the details like there is nothing in this movie that isn't contributing to what the movie is trying to be 
like at all. Yeah. It's also fairly refreshing to have like environmental work done in action sequences. It make it there's a lot to be said about how it uh using scenery makes things feel grounded. Yeah, you, like um early Jackie Chan is, movies are really good at this. Like uh oh Jesus, what's the one movie, the one with the ladder fight scene? I can envision it in my head. Look it up right now. One of the best fight scenes in like human history. I mean, I, I just really like good action. And... I will find the Jackie Chan ladder scene and put it in the show notes. First strike. Okay, there we go. There you go, okay. The fact that like this movie can have so many like really well put together and satisfying action scenes and still be a movie that like is so lighthearted and self-parodying is like some weird kind of synergistic miracle to me. Yeah, it shoves all... It's trying to say a lot. Like, it shoves a lot of different things into this movie. Like, in between these extremely dense gun scenes. Like, the action is super quick. Like, like we keep seeing that saying that it's very coherent. And that's very impressive. Because you get, like, quarter-second cuts constantly. But, it, it, yeah, it's like rapid fire going through comic book panels. Very impressive. And, yeah, it, it's sort of like you said where the fight scenes are very disparate. Like, you have the first scene in the warehouse... And then you've got, like, a plane fight scene. You've got a kind of factory gunfight scene in Smith's hideout. Uh, there's, like, a very brief gunfight in the, uh, like, I don't even know what to call it. but The, the gun warehouse? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also the gun warehouse, which is... There's a car chase gun scene? <laughs> car chase gun scene. There's the hallway gunfight scene with the where DQ works. Oh, that one is a that's an amazing use of uh hands and sex jokes. Um, <laughs> Hertz uh basically basically he he's like cornered Smith and uh Smith pulls like a henchman's gun and aims at him and Hertz is like my gun is empty and you won't be getting it up with that gun you took off my man. Sex joke. Um, no, you see, like my weapon, it also has the thumbprint safety device, you know, and he says it like the thumbprint safety <laughs> device. Um, and Smith is like, oh, really? And then he just whips out a thug severed hand. <laughs> Wanna bet? <laughs> he knew and, beforehand. Like, <laughs> Hertz starts charging at him and Smith like fits the severed hand into the pistol grip and then shoots Hertz in the chest. Uh, which he had like a bulletproof vest on and everything. But after that, Smith is just like, nothing like a good hand job. Oh, yeah. Hand and sex joke all at once. It was very dense right there. Yes. Like, a lot was going on. <laughs> oh, man. You just reminded me of something I really liked about the uh, warehouse scene. The scenes tend to have a very, like, tight idea of the geometry of where they're taking place. Like, uh, what's that one scene uh, in Smith's place where he has that, like, long, uh, like packaging like table thing like that conveyor belt yeah thing. one of those rollers yeah it's really cool like and it works the warehousing completely breaks that like you think you know based on the scenes you've seen before how the place is laid out but it actually adds in a bunch of extra cuts where you're like you don't know where that is or how it's set up but it does it specifically for the purpose of setting up more gun booby traps yes <laughs> and they are so good You've never seen him set up these booby traps. And the booby traps get more elaborate. Oh, yeah. Like, there's one yeah. where he has, like, several sets of strings he can use to, like, shift them around. <laughs> I forgot about and that. And then there's that one where, like, where he gets snuck up on. Oh, yes! Yeah, yeah, he has an extra, like, he has one more thing that he can pull, and it's a shotgun that's aimed for if someone comes up behind yes. him. Yes. 
Like, it's that kind of, like, Bugs Bunny, like, he thought of everything. Yeah, but also, he, <laughs> <You know? laughs> he was moving through the warehouse this whole time. It's not like he was holed down in one area. So, like, yeah. he knew he would get cornered in that specific spot. <laughs> there's, uh, as like, there's something about this movie that, like, all of the gunfights and the, the set pieces, it feel, it feel, like, like I was saying with, like, the video game protagonist, like, we're supposed to be Smith. The set pieces feel like levels. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're very like designed. They're set up in a way to lead your eye to kind of pick out like the series of actions you need to do, kind of like in Mirror's Edge. Like, you know, that one's for parkour where you kind of like can plot out a path across rooftops just by looking at certain objects. Well, in this one, it's, you know, the various environments and the set pieces can creatively be used to slaughter henchmen. I also like that these set pieces often are not just designed to set up spectacle, but also have their own sort of, like, slapstick language to them. They are equal parts really cool to watch and funny as hell. Yeah, like, most of the time when they set up those kind of, um, like, one, two, this is the object, and you're like, oh, I know, what, like, what... you be, Like, in your head, you're like, oh, I, like, I'm gonna shoot that, right? <laughs> like, you you think with smith like this movie does a really good job of kind of like putting you in different people's shoes with like the mood of certain sequences like in the, a lot of the gunfights you're from like smith's point of view um and then you know like with the scenes with paul uh with paul giamatti you're like there's a very different feel to it like there's this very like thick kind of like very malicious tension um in all of his scenes um that's different from the kind of like frantic like super hyped up comic world that uh smith inhabits that's true like the the <laughs> all of hertz's scenes have this weird sort of like exhaustion to them too like it, you just you constantly get the feeling he's just having the worst possible day yes <laughs> yeah i mean he is in his in his last moments as he's lying with his entire chest cavity uh blown out um he gets a phone call from his wife one last time and uh she he like listens to it for a little bit and then hangs up and looks over to Smith and it's just like she's leaving me <laughs> and then dies. <laughs> and I do like that like every in accordance to the language of like mo- this movie is constructed out of the the guiding principles that like guide the movies and characters all those possible bad things as like mandated by those concepts happen to him. Like Gun, sex, and violence. He loses his gun, he gets shot, and his wife leaves him. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> in the language of, I guess, like, the culture that makes up this movie, based on it, and what, like, that movie considers to be bad things, every single one, every single bad thing happens to him at once. Yeah, he's basically, like, truly dead. Because he's lost everything. He's lost his gun, he's lost his sex, and he's lost his violence. He loses everything that this movie, like, establishes is important. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, yeah, Smith has it all. You know, mm-hmm. he wanders away, he still has a weapon. Um, and he has a kid, too. Yeah. What the heck? What the hell? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the weird ways in which this movie works. <laughs> oh my god. Um, There's... And along the line of Smith being extremely self-righteous, um, uh, there's basically his catchphrase is, you know what I hate? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. It comes up constantly. And there's, I don't know, there's this kind of like overall like 
with at least with the moment where um Hertz's like wife leaves him and he like looks over, there's this like familiarity between him and Smith and in that moment it kind of feels like they're coworkers. Like they showed up to work today. Their job is to, you know, have this frantic like rivalry and try to kill each other constantly. And like they're clocking out right but like they, even if they like really get under each other's skin because like they're kind of like opposing forces i see what you mean they're you know like like why why would like why other like why else would he tell him that you know like why else would smith care <laughs> but he's just like i feel crappy i'm gonna share this with my only friend it does yeah. kind of feel like they are cut from the same cloth or like they come from the same place like, it even feels like they work in the same industry, even though it's, like, this very abstract thing of, like, you know, hitmen and assassins, I guess? Yeah, I mean, like, neither of these people could possibly do anything, like, their characters can't do anything else. Like, the only thing Smith does when he's not being a self-righteous asshole or killing people with guns and carrots is sitting on a park bench, eating a carrot, and then he sees a pregnant woman running by him <laughs> and then the rest of the movie happens <laughs> yeah and it, it's weird how like the movie takes place with there's no sense of stake until fairly late in the movie it's just kind of the characters doing what they do yeah there's no world outside of the thing that's happening here it, it's arbitrary which is actually kind of refreshing and man are there a lot of layers to the conspiracy because basically like every fight scene is like the final like fight scene <laughs> for a different movie <laughs> and like every time after that they discover a new layer to the conspiracy yes or like it gets a little deeper um and then it becomes like a whole new movie <laughs> i love that the plot also borrows a lot from that kind of weird the whole thing has a very like chuck jones kind of spirit to it where it comes up with these genuinely creative ways to like move the plot forward when we find out that the baby stops crying when he's hearing death metal, that's when I knew this was just like a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then they had to go to a death metal club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's they the had most, to justify going there. Oh, it's such a stretch of the imagination, but at this point you're like, I mean, makes about as much sense as anything. <laughs> Why not go? So, so many moments were very blatantly the writers being like, shit, 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 shit. Like, but th th that's the thing is they don't half-ass it. <laughs> like, they make it seem like, oh, shit, this is, a, like, you're along for the ride. Like, well, at least w when when that moment happened, I was like, Eureka! <laughs> Even though there's nothing behind that. Totally just ham-fisted, like, yeah. just so dumb. Because, but, like, <laughs> like, the movie's invested in being not overly serious it doesn't pigeonhole itself in terms of tone and so the plot can be like the plot beats can be funny as well like, even if they don't really make sense they they kind of fit in alongside action that doesn't really make sense like uh crank is a really good example of something doing the same exact thing <laughs> yeah definitely it very very much asks you to kind of like play with it you yeah know? just like you have to be along for the ride I really wish Chuck Jones were, were around to see this movie because, like, <laughs> I get so much of that, that same sense of, like, Looney Tunes logic. Because oh, yeah. for as, as silly and, like, ephemeral as Looney Tunes are, like, a lot of really, like, a lot of thought went into it. A lot of, like, serious, like, sort of 
study and like Looney Tunes is an art. All right. I, I, oh, I will yeah. hear no criticism of, of Looney Tunes. It's no, I mean, like we're, I'm evangelizing this movie because of that. <laughs> like it's beautiful. It's a cultural masterpiece without which this movie would not exist. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. I just want to leave you all with the Looney Tunes quote. Smith and Hertz are, uh, basically they're confronted each other at one point and, um, they've aimed their guns at each other. And uh, Smith bites into his carrot, and he's chewing on it, and goes, What's up, Doc? And Mr. Hertz goes, Oh, you're a wascally wabbit. <laughs> and then, like, aims his gun at Smith and goes, But you're not wascally enough. And then Smith goes, Yeah, that's a six shooter. I've just counted six shots. You've blown your load. Looney Tunes, sex gun joke. <laughs> every Like, everything has to be in every single moment. <laughs> like... That reminds me, because there is a little bit of um, Clint Eastwood sort of woven into this movie, because he's a man with no name. They literally, like, describe him as a man with no name. And he does the, the dirty, hairy, counting bullets thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple times, I think. Yeah. I think this also means that this movie really does not make sense outside of, like, this country. Oh, no, this is so American. <laughs> yeah, it's a very... Like, it even... It has, like... So 2007, like... I guess maybe Citizens United was just becoming a thing. But it has very American worries for for 2007. Like, the movie is very anti-futuristic gun control. It's anti-lobbyist. Like, it it knows that all of this stuff is going on in American politics and very clearly demonizes them, I guess. It's also, interestingly, like, right before the economic recession, which I feel like when... A lot of that shit happened. A lot of social issues kind of, like, rose up, you know? Yeah, um, it's just, like, right on the cusp of that. Yeah, so this is before, like, a lot more serious and, like, realistic day-to-day social issues existed. So instead, it, you know, goes down this kind of, like, gun control, like, conspiracy rabbit hole. I do like thinking of this as, like, Bugs Bunny hero of the underclass. (laughs) (laughs) I guess in... Because we talk about uh, Smith being, like, a British national, and... Often in Bugs Bunny cartoons, it is like Bugs Bunny comes to like Elmer Fudd's place of business or Yosemite Sam's like, he's just doing whatever he does every day and just like fuck shit up. So I feel like it, that's another parallel. Yeah, he's an interloper, right? And like, yeah, yeah. Same, exactly. Yep. Same with the whole movie. Like, he wasn't supposed to interfere with that pregnant woman being stabbed a bunch. You know, like he just he strolls in and suddenly he's completely involved. Mm-hmm. And like everyone has to deal with it, like most, like most of it is everyone's just like constantly surprised that this guy keeps killing like wave after wave of progressively like better armed henchmen, and there is a steady escalation of the bad dudes he fights in proper video game fashion. Oh yeah, so going like going with the very like American thing though, I do think people from other countries would find this movie hilarious, right? Like it, at least if there's still that same thing of like we watch Japanese movies that are, like, super Japanese, and they just don't make it, like, there's, we can't even comprehend them. But they're actually, like, very smart, and they're making a lot of, like, cultural jokes and stuff like that. But to us, it's just not, like, like silly nonsense, right? Yeah. Um, right, the, the Looney Tunes aspect is, like, universal. I don't think oh, there's yeah. any anywhere on Earth where it's not funny. Yeah. But there are, like, cultural aspects to it that are, like, specifically American. But they're not, like, essential to it either. They no. just kind of inform the characters a bit. Yeah. Okay. So, so we can 
finally move on. <laughs> <laughs> you can be talking about shoot 'em up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to our special form of <laughs> of recommendations. Um, we think you should watch all of the the movies that we watch. So we're going to give you some reasons why you should you should watch shoot 'em up. Uh, does someone else want to start, or do you want me to start? <laughs> I, I have a feeling like you definitely like this movie the least. <laughs> <laughs> so we can go in uh, increasing order of recommendation. <laughs> My recommendation is you should watch Shoot 'em Up. If you find that carrots are severely underrepresented in Hollywood movies. That's excellent. Or because you have a lot of leftover carrots in your fridge and you need to know what to do with them. Some good life advice there. Yeah. <laughs> or guns. Like, if you got, like... Oh, that's true. If you got some leftover guns in the pantry and you're like, shit, these are going to expire soon. Oh my goodness. You don't want expired guns all over your pantry. If you really need to make the case... For why guns are good for you and just good general tools. This is a really great way to be. Cause, there you go. Like, <laughs> I do like that there, there's a point where there's like, carrots are good for your eyesight. And I, I, myself, I do not have good eyesight. I'm like, huh, I didn't know that. I actually learned something. Thanks, Clive Owen. I think that's actually an urban legend. <laughs> it is. It's, it's actually a really oh, fascinating urban legend. Don't bring your, like... <laughs> realism into this i want no real okay. i'm gonna eat nothing but carrots and see through time there is a moment in the movie where he, he does bite a carrot and you see from his point of view and it, his point of view becomes extremely focused <laughs> so that's what i want my life to be like it's like some fucking uh uh popeye shit right there with the spinach yeah, like, matt's like shit i gotta really focus on this problem at work crunch now i gotta balance carrots and spinach too <laughs> So uh, yeah, send oh, yeah. send Matt your uh, carrot and spinach recipes. <laughs> He's gonna need them. I'll see when you say it like that. <laughs> All right, I truly love this movie, and I'm like sad that I never saw it sooner. It's a movie that feels like it draws from the same sources as every other generic action movie, but comes from a place of, I guess, not necessarily self parody, but awareness of how funny they are. And because it comes from a place of comedy and sort of satire, it achieves a very different kind of tone and sort of the inherent politics around what it does. This movie feels very much like it only came out the way that it did because of who made it. And this is a really good example to, like, go to when you want to see how, like, movies can be a... Like, and the, the thing is, like, made it. I'm not even sure I agree with, like, like I'm not sure how I feel about the politics of this movie and everything, like, overall. Like, I'm actually, like, pretty deeply uncomfortable with a lot of them. But, like, I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's so certain about it <laughs> that, like, and it kind of, like, hits you in this, like, really, like, weird, like, it takes them to such a grotesque, like, fetishized level that you're just, like, not, like, sure what to do with that, right? <laughs> It feels like an action movie that's had a lot of it, the, like, essential parts stripped out and replaced with things that are a lot more enjoyable. And that somehow turns it into something that is strangely way more enjoyable than your average action movie. And kind of, by the nature of being what it is, makes you reconsider what makes those yeah, movies definitely. work. Yeah, um... definitely. 
I would consider it like a, a like essential action movie to watch when you're actually thinking about like the inner workings and yeah. like tropes at work in action yeah, movies, especially really over the that. last couple decades. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point. Is it took like all the like nasty and like kind of like indulgent aspects of action movies and took out all of the like attempts to have heart or a plot or anything and like still like had those but like had them literally completely infused (laughs) with all of those kind of like fucked up aspects of action movies and stuff so i i found out something when i was like reading up about this movie it gave, gave it a really interesting sort of perspective uh one of so this movie was directed by michael davis and apparently way back in the 80s he wrote a uh, screenplay about uh alfred kinsey the like sex researcher so he's done a lot of research on like human sexuality and that like with that in mind suddenly like a lot of like the disparate details of this movie sort of kind of start coming together when you realize that like he's done a lot of like research on like sexual imagery and like how we like what people like respond to and it feels like an action movie piloted by somebody who thinks these things are funny and not necessarily like serious or like essential <laughs> yeah, to masculine identity. Yeah, it's very Freudian, and like all of its humor comes from there. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's Freudian in a way that we kind of now realize how ridiculous Freud was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just pure id, right? Yeah, or ego or whatever. Like, it, there's no control in this movie. It yeah, it, oh, it's it super make it problematic. Not problematic. <laughs> it at least creates the opportunity yeah, so to laugh at. I these think things. I could not separate those things necessarily, but I can definitely see how this movie is meant to be like a pastiche and not taken seriously at all. Yeah. So with my recommendation and everything, uh, basically, I would definitely not recommend this movie um, if. Like, you are particularly sensitive to sexual assault or anything along those lines. Uh, just gonna throw that trigger. Yeah, any sexualized violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't, there's not, there's not like a lot of it, but there, there's a couple scenes that, yeah. um, would not be great for you. Um, it's definitely a pretty intense scene. Yeah. Kind of in the middle. Yep. There, there are, there are some things that did yeah. not age well. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, I mean, there, it was 2007. Like, it was, it was fucked up then. <laughs> like, um, and then, uh, also along those lines, like, if you're, if you're the kind of person who you really care about the stories that are being told and like the substance there, you will not like this movie. <laughs> this movie is pure candy. There is no heart, like, there's nothing, there's no, like, skeleton to this movie at all. Um, it is, it is stripped out everything that, that would hold it up as an actual story and just replaced it with more guns, sex, and violence. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think that, like, the, the mosaic idea of this movie, of it being just, like, a portrait done in three colors, mm-hmm. makes <laughs> sense. Like, the char- the characters are cartoons. Exactly. You can't, there's, the way they are set up and the way that they act, you're kind of given a very limited amount that you can expect from them. I think... Yeah, there's there's really... Like, they don't add anything in there that doesn't belong because they're using everything, um, which I really appreciate about the movie. But that... I mean, because their goals are just to set up, like, Freudian violent gags, 
um, or uh, just ridiculous gunfight sequences. Like, that's not telling a story, right? Right. Like, they're not throwing those details into weaving an intricate narrative or, like, an intellectually, like, stimulating experience or anything. Like, um, and yeah, like, that's not for everyone, you know? Uh, and I would definitely not recommend it if that's, like, your deal. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, what, the people I would recommend this movie for, if you have a sixth sense of humor, <laughs> you will fucking love this movie. Like, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen a movie that has a, a sicker sense of humor that's actually funny oh, right mine. like that doesn't just become like this is awful i don't think like, i don't enjoy this i don't think i've ever seen a movie that has jokes that are as like easy and is like puerile but have them land so satisfyingly because of like the context in which they're they're like deployed in yeah definitely and yeah like if you're if you're a big fan of like jackie chan movies um various like different kinds of action movies that are very heavily uh focused on intricate choreographed sequences this movie is incredibly rewarding uh if you're a fan of like train uh i keep trying to say uh train spotting but uh transporter um let's see yeah crank is another good one uh for like if toilets gross you out <laughs> like train train spotting this might also not be a movie for you yes there is this, if you don't like cgi toilet <laughs> uh scenes rated r for gratuitous toilet footage it's actually weirdly enough at the time i guess it like really slipped through a lot of uh the sensors and everything because it's apparently just r for baby peen <laughs> What? Oh my God. Yeah, it just says that. It just says baby peen. Oh, I'm not going to... No I cannot believe this. <laughs> I need source. I can't wait. And, like, I, I really... I just love imagining that being, like, in the movie theater when it's, like, restricted, not for all ages or whatever. Like, it just is for baby, baby peen. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, those, are, those are the people I'd recommend the movie for. And uh, I guess if if you really like... Things that are that have a lot of details to them that like if you watch it over and over again you kind of pick up on more. Like if you if you like extremely dense movies, um, which I feel is kind of like the hallmark of a good cult classic, right? Is there's just so many uh, extra details in the background that are contributing to like what they're trying to go for. Like I, I just saw Big Trouble in Little China last night, and oh my god, oh, similar thing, right? Like every every little detail is is you know like contributing to what they're doing um and it's one of those movies that like like the first time i watched it it made absolutely no sense i like legitimately could not follow the plot at all but then like the second time watching through i started like picking up on more like the the fun little details and the like ridiculousness of the world and those like little background things and shoot 'em up's been in that kind of movie for me i think part of why i've grown to love it so much is every time i show it to a new person um i kind of enjoy it in a different way and i get more out of it each time yeah i think that's a real hallmark of a a cult classic so come on let's make this a cult classic <laughs> make it happen garbos i want to i want to have like yeah like i want to have movie nights uh like live shows where they have like performers and everything doing the kind of like rocky horror oh shadow cast of shoot 'em up <laughs> I, yeah, like, I, I want, like, in, like, audience members, like, yelling out lines and everything, like, at one point, like, after the, uh, the neon sign gag, uh, Smith and everybody in the audience in unison yell, fuck yeah, you fucking, fucking fuckers, um, like, <laughs> all together, like, that would just be amazing, uh, 
So make it happen. Make it happen, Garbus. I want people to uh, bring carrots to the movie. Oh my God. I'm not sure if I want them to throw carrots at the screen <laughs> or if I want them to like all crunch carrots simultaneously. Yeah, there's every time Smith bites a carrot, everyone in the audience takes a bite <laughs> out of their carrots and they yeah. slowly work through them during the movie. Oh, you're going to have a drinking game, but with carrots. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like how much fun would these shows be? <laughs> be great. All right, yeah, so... uh Send us your, I'm going to do like a uh, at midnight style. (laughs) Send us your carrot drinking game rules. (laughs) Carrot drinking? Are we drinking carrot juice through it? Oh, you're eating a carrot. (laughs) Actually, no, I feel like, I feel like this could be a great sort of like cross promotional Jack LaLanne style, like a program for like juice. Because carrot, like, like no, (laughs) no joke. Carrot juice is pretty good. I refuse to believe you on principle. Hey, man, don't you remember those, like, carrot-orange-flavored sobies? Those were delicious. <laughs> Gross. You, th- I see why you like this movie, because you have a sick sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Your humor is liking carrot juice. It's like that Mitch Hedberg joke, you can't juice a carrot. A guy tossed me a carrot, twist this. <laughs> oh, what is that orange liquid I have been enjoying? Rest in peace. Yeah, anyway, like, I'm, I'll just get on it. the same tangent I've been on for the past hour, so. <laughs> I'll just go back into my box, and I'll just stop thinking about shoot him up for a little while. Oh, now that you, you got me riled up. We gotta put Ryan in the hole. <laughs> I guess so, jeez. Uh, now I know what to do. <laughs> hey, Ryan, remember shoot him up? <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining Ryan as some kind of Tasmanian devil, but the only thing that revs him up is shoot him up. <laughs> It's perfect because this is a, a live-action <laughs> Looney Tunes adaptation, <laughs> which Ryan has somehow become a character in. I'm actually part of the shoot 'em up like movies universe. Apparently, <laughs> just wait till you see his fan fiction. <laughs> oh man! I mean, <laughs> the fan fiction—it would just be like, I guess, a video game. Oh man! I mean, actually, I, I, oh shit! I actually have made a fan fiction video game from Shoot 'Em Up. Dive. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about mentioning that. Yeah, but... I actually, I have totally, I made a, I've, I have a game project on the side that is basically, I take various scenes from Shoot 'Em Up and then make little arcade games based on just that sequence. So I did one for the skydiving scene. <laughs> it's not done. Fun fact: Ryan is like ride or die. Uh, shoot 'em up. Ryan's got knuckle tattoos that say Clive Owen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another important important detail is uh, I'm, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Clive Owen in the in Shoot 'Em Up is where I knew I was by. Um, <laughs> at that point, I I was just there. There was something deeper than just being invested in that character <laughs> <laughs> happening there when I was cheering along with Smith. <laughs> Uh. Oh, fun fact. Uh, this movie was like, it got multiple releases, which is interesting because like we were just saying how it doesn't really work completely outside of this country, but um, mm-hmm. it got uh, French and Italian releases at least, but uh, Monica Bellucci is multilingual. She did her own dubbing for every version of the movie. Oh shit, nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. And I think that that's also one thing that we have totally missed. She does an incredible job. She just has a very like small part. 
<laughs> like on the side. Yeah. You know, like she she is a she is a detail, much like all of the women in the movie, she's basically an object. Like I, like all of the main all of the main actors, they're really, really good actors who bring a lot to fairly small roles. They're just Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Like You you can tell that they have a much better idea of their character than maybe the script. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like it's totally possible the director or the writer had like a very good idea and like gave them all of their backstory and their motivations really well but like in the actual script there's none of that (laughs) in my fan fiction clive owen walks out of the last scene of children of men and starts this movie (laughs) he just plops down on a bench amazing that's why he's so into that pregnant woman and baby it makes oh, so man. much sense. He, he just it blew his mind because he's just like, whoa, whoa, there's a <laughs> lot of pregnant women. <laughs> <sighs> oh, wait, no, it's I've got it in the reverse order because shoot 'em up happens and that's like because of Clive Owen's involvement, pregnant women become start becoming a scarce resource. Well, that's where it started. They have all of the pregnant women above that death metal club, and then they kill all of them, and no more women can get pregnant after right, that. Right, but I'm saying that, like, Clive Owen Sad is tale. a, like, existential threat to pregnant women. <laughs> and a worldwide shortage can only, like, a worldwide extinction of pregnancy can only happen and also be prevented via Clive Owen. <laughs> Excellent. I like this thematic clash. This is a really good classic example of joke that is deeper than I thought it was when I said it. <laughs> Did it grew layers? Much like this movie. Oh yeah. It grew armor because it can't exist in the naked elements. Yep. Alright, should we do our uh our actual movie recommendations? Oh wow, yeah. There's actually other yeah. parts of the show we haven't gotten to yet. Yes, we're still going, Matt. Oh, boy. Yeah, you, you should thought... probably, like, feel free to cut, like, large swaths of me repeatedly ranting about the same, like, eight things. Um. It's all, yeah, it's, we're going to have, like, a bonus episode. That's all of Ryan's opinions. Drinking game time. Take a shot every time any one of us says Giamatti. <laughs> no, Matt, we can't yeah, kill oh our God. one listener. <laughs> the, the special episode, yeah, is the shoot 'em up uh, extra, like the shoot 'em up raw cut drinking game edition. Tune in for our commentary track, which is just us eating carrots. <laughs> and it's just like, um, like because the, we kept coming back to the same things repeatedly a lot of the time. Just like have those be the drinking rules, yeah, and you will go through like a twelve pack. Okay, so. Uh, actual movie recommendations. I I already mentioned it, but I'm gonna recommend Fast and the Furious because I like I said I think it shares some very similar like guiding kind of I want I keep want to say like design principles, but I guess it's close <laughs> enough. It knows what it's about and uses those things to illustrate all of its plot. Yes. So as as this movie has to have all of its emotional moments centered around guns, Fast and the Furious has all of its emotional moments have to center around cars. Exactly. That's so good. Okay, I'm I'm really happy. Like I've been sitting on this since like the beginning, <laughs> since we first mentioned it. But I'm going to recommend Drive Angry <laughs> for having the only other uh, gunfight sex scene. That I know of, though I do believe that it is more ridiculous than Drive Angry. Honestly, Drive Angry is one of the greatest things Nicolas Cage has ever done. Okay, also, one second. You just evangelized this movie as... Have you just been just crawling the earth, searching desperately 
for gunfights and sex scenes? No, it's not necessarily that, because I saw Drive Angry, like, years ago, and when that scene happens, it's like, wow, I've never seen this, this is really funny. And watching Shoot'em Up, it's like, oh my god, other people did it too. I, yeah, I actually never expected to ever see that again in a movie. <laughs> if you think that uh, Shoot'em Up didn't go far enough, or was in fact maybe a little too smart, I would... That's where you. That's where you like. You lean back on uh, Drive Angry. <laughs> I I can't not recommend any movie that is both a title and a relative sort of philosophy on life. <laughs> Amazing. I'm gonna recommend a movie uh, that came out pretty recently. Um, that's also I would highly recommend to people who really like who are really drawn to the like well choreographed actions and like the the really clear readable moments and everything of what we've been describing for shoot 'em up but don't really want to go down the paul giamatti sex offender like uh, rabbit hole well now i feel like we're being mean to paul giamatti <laughs> i mean he, he's playing a sex offender like he in knows. the movie he he's knows. not he's not a sex paul giamatti is a great dude um, he was fantastic in Sideways. I want to point this out. This is not established. His character is evil, but, like, outside of his life as a hitman, it's, it seems as though he's not that bad of a guy. Oh, yeah, he's a family man. He's, like, he's an exceptionally boring family man. Like, all of his issues with his wife, too. But, um, so... I would recommend Baby Driver. That was a movie I saw recently that really reminded me of the action in Shoot'em Up. And, like, what made it really rewarding. And that whole sense of they'll show you an object... And then the main character will use their primary tool, the thing that they're just supernaturally gifted with for no goddamn reason, <laughs> um, to to do something awesome with that, right? Like, one thing I noticed uh, in Shoot'em Up a lot of times is he'll use a gun to shoot a thing, and then that'll hit a henchman. Like, he'll kind of uh, billiard ball things into people. And in Baby Driver, he does that a lot with the car. Like, he'll he'll swerve the car around and knock something into someone else. Or, like, open something up that way and stuff like that. Um, and it's got that same just, like, frantic energy. It's never boring. And I don't know, that that same kind of the movie, the, the whole mood that the movie brings in is just completely cohesive, even though it's doing so many different things. I was I saw Baby Driver before I saw this movie. And, yeah, coming back and watching it, like, basically right after, I was like... Oh yeah, no, this is, I see exactly where these two movies touch, <laughs> and it's very often. Yeah, um, it, but in, it, while Baby, like, Baby Driver does not have the, uh, the darkness that Shoot'em Up has, like, it's, it, it kind of, you know, it leaves out the sick Freudian kind of, like, id that is Shoot'em Up, which is kind of, yeah, there's the incredible action, and, like, the way that feels, and then there's the indulgence, right, and... If you if you're not down for the indulgence, then and but you like the action is something you can appreciate. Uh, Baby Driver for sure. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think Edgar Wright's a good one to bring up because a lot of his, yeah, hot his movies do read fairly shallow, like the first time through. But like as you think about it, like the little the tiny sort of craftsman style details start like yeah. uh, start becoming clearer to you as you think about it. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is amazing and for that. The entire, like, last half of Hot Fuzz and everything where it becomes an action movie. Like, it's got so many of those just ridiculous set pieces. The entire first set of that movie was setting up the town in a way to justify a sequence of fights. That's a thing in, in both 
I mean, I'm sure it's a thing in movies too, but like in level design, it's usually really good practice to set up an area first so that like when you have action there, the player kind of already knows the layout, even if they weren't necessarily paying attention to it. And Hot Fuzz does a ton of that, like both narratively and physically. And then Shoot 'em Up was very similar, where you'd have a very calm scene beforehand, and then all of a sudden action would break out. Yeah, um, Edgar Wright's style, I really, it's, it's definitely, like, Shoot 'em Up is very one, two, one, two, like, yeah. just constantly in, like, very self contained moments that don't really have anything to do with each other. Whereas Edgar Wright is just masterful at doing, like, there's, like, a before yes, and there's, after there's to his movies. There's a pivot point. And around the pivot, it's, it's like he, um, created like a Rorschach test, like ink blotted his movie. And there's these like mirrored bizarro versions of every moment that happens early on. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it makes them so rewarding to like watch over and over again. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I wasn't huge on uh, End of the World. Oh, World's End. Hey man, I will go to bat for World's End till I die. I, I really enjoy World's End. No, I mean like, the emotional aspect of World's End was really good, but I, uh, the action, it didn't strike me the same way that, uh, like, it felt kind of like an odd man out movie. Yeah. Uh, for those three. But yeah, no. And mostly, lately, Baby Driver. Just top notch. <laughs> <Mwah. Edgar Wright. laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, closing out the Edgar Wright podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shot every time we say Edgar Wright. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Stop trying to kill everyone, Matt. <laughs> Eat a carrot every time we say Edgar Wright. Take a shot every time we say Giamatti. Okay, acceptable. Uh, yeah, and then by the end of this podcast, you'll be able to, as Matt said, see through time. <laughs> and uh, w- t- and finish your drink when you hear me accidentally just palm the shit out of my mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll ever hear that, Matt. I'll edit these before I post them. <laughs> I apologize in advance for all the editing you're going to have to do. <laughs> I I will be taking a shot of carrot juice every time <laughs> I have to cut out. <laughs> this episode brought to you by carrots. For all you good people out there in the Midwest, sorry we said fuck so much. Oh man, what better note to go out on? <laughs> well, don't worry, we still have to do our our social media outro. So. Oh Jesus, there's there's still <laughs> more. Can contact us and let us know how they feel. Get ready. <laughs> FBI, NSA, I can be found at Dash Jump Cancel on Twitter. But who are you, Matt? No one needs to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Ryan Anderson, and uh, if you want to let me know how you feel about how often I said pussy in this podcast, <laughs> uh, you can find me at, at Ryander, at R-Y-E-A-N-D-E-R. All right, and I'm Vivian, and you can find me at at garbage club underscore pod or you could send me an email which is mail at the garbage dot club uh okay and uh yeah i guess other than that we've got our tumblr which is the garbage club podcast dot tumblr dot com and until we see you next time be sure to enjoy shoot 'em up I also say pussy a lot, like I, a lot more than I'm usually comfortable saying that word. <laughs> Man, and Paul Giamatti, the way he says it is just. Ugh.